Hi, and welcome back to the Doghouse Podcast. My name is Austin. I'm the host today, joined by Jimbo and Connor. Unfortunately, today we are missing JJ. He says he will return once the Arizona Coyotes have won a hockey game, so he should be back in 2024. (laughs) As a fan of the Buffalo Sabres, a reformed doghouse team on the playoff hunt, today we're talking about the bad dogs who might be put in the doghouse. Connor, you want to start us off? Tell us a little bit what teams you've been having an eye on who've kind of been underperforming this season. So just to look at the few bad teams we have for the bad starts, uh, we have the Chicago Blackhawks. That shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. The Vegas Golden Knights, which is a major surprise to a lot of people. We have the Seattle Kraken, which is, I guess, also a bit of a surprise. And then another big surprise in the Montreal Canadiens, coming off a fresh Stanley Cup appearance. And then... The not so surprising Arizona Coyotes. So those are the five teams we'll kind of examine today in today's podcast. I'd like to start off, gentlemen, with the Chicago Blackhawks, though. So Chicago came into the season looking to really push. They kind of had that mentality of going, "All right, this year we're contending." They went out, they got Flurry, they traded away prospects and picks to get Seth Jones. But after a one seven and two record to start the season, what went wrong? Jimbo, any thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, I think you kind of touched things off there a little bit. You know, they traded away a lot of pieces. You know, and I think we talked about this in our episode, uh, in episode seven, that uh, you know they they're almost like acting like they're kind of out of their rebuilding phase. You know, and contenders again, and they went ahead and they got Seth Jones. They locked him up to a ridiculous contract for eight years, uh, way too much money, and they gave away way too many pieces for it. And um, you know, obviously they got Flurry, and he cost them nothing, which admittedly is not a bad deal. It's not a bad thing to get him for uh, the top prospect of future considerations. But uh, yeah, like they went into the season, like you said, and uh, well, they, they've won one game so far, right, as of November 3rd? Yes, as of November 3rd, they've only won one yeah. game, and they've only lost two in overtime. Yeah, and I, I think what it comes down to, like you said, they traded away too many pieces um, a bit too early uh, before they had to and what they're left with is a team where their best players are getting a bit older still you know Kane and Taze are still good players but um, you know I know they've been out for a little while um, Taze is coming back from a season that he wasn't even playing last season you know and so he's taken him a little while to get back up to speed I think he, he just recently got his first uh, real good game of the year when he got those three points uh, a couple of days ago and, and Patrick Kane was out uh, he was on COVID protocol, and, and there were some issues there. So, admittedly, they didn't have the best players. But, again, you look at the lineup, and is that a team that seems fit to go deep in the Stanley Cup playoffs? I'd argue no. Like, um, I don't think so. Austin, what would you think? I mean, I'm going to address the elephant in the room. You know, there's a lot going on with Chicago on the off-ice side. Uh, we all know by now about the Kyle Beach situation and all the allegations we're not going to get into it fully today you know there's just so much going on legally and we just haven't done our full due diligence to do it properly uh, there's great sources out there Rick Westhead's a great one to follow but you know when you have this huge situation going on it's impossible to ignore on the ice you know hockey fans always talk about like the little things in the dressing room affect the team well this is a huge thing you know you got players around the league saying they've lost faith in the NHLPA because of the situation, you know, how does that weigh on the two leaders of the team who are there during it, right? So you have all these guys who aren't performing like how they're supposed to. You have this huge black cloud that's just hanging over Chicago. 
And, you know, like Jimbo saying, they got all these new guys. It's hard to melt, and the coach doesn't have the room. So you got all these issues, and you've lost the fans immediately. You know, I think opening night they booed the coach right when he was announced. So they didn't like him from last year. Like, there's just there's so much going against the tide in Chicago, and it's just kind of hard to right the ship right now. And wasn't it, like, cheaper to buy a game to the Blackhawks uh, home game than it was to buy, like, a, a bottle of water from the Seattle Kraken Arena? Yep. Yeah, ten bucks for a Chicago game, uh, ten bucks for a bottle of water, and that's nuts. Chicago hasn't seen prices that low since like two thousand and seven when they were garbage. Like Chicago has always been able to sell, even the past couple of years when they were like retooling, they were still able to sell tickets. Well, that's because like Kane and Taves could bring in anyone, and they still can bring in a lot of fans. It's just like everything with the Kyle Beat situation. I think a lot of people are questioning Kane and T- Taves' role in that situation. You know. Yeah, no, it's been publicly, especially because Taves was the NHLPA representative. So it's it's been a publicly talked about. Like Antoine Roussel even made a comment on that, and he's an active player. That never happens. So people aren't buying the tickets for them. Where are they buying the tickets for, right? And it's just this sense of, like, what's the direction? You know, you, you sign Seth Jones, you trade for Tyler Johnson, you trade for the Vesna winner, and then you have Stan Bowman coming out before... He got, you know, let go saying that, no, we're still in a rebuild. This doesn't change anything after they traded their first round pick. So, like, what's the plan there? You don't have a sense of direction. You know, I feel the wish for. I feel really bad, obviously, for Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, he comes off, you know, such an incredible time. You know, he's such a, uh, such a significant figure there in Vegas ever since they started. You know, he really was the heart of the team, gets traded away blindsided, you know, to this team, and then all of a sudden this uh, situation blows up, you know, and the team he's on, like, he's getting older, you know, getting pretty close to the end of his career here, likely, so is that a way you want to go out? I don't think so. Not and it's someone like my country flurry. It's night and day difference. Like, there's that crazy stat where he faced more high-pressure or high-danger chances yeah. in his first Chicago game than the entire year with Vegas. And that just shows right. you to like what good defense does. And like, sadly, Vegas has way better. Well, not sadly, it's obvious. Vegas has way better defense than Chicago. But like, if you're in, like 37 years old, which I believe Mark Andre Fleury is, like, honestly, do you stick around for this entire season? With the way it's going, like, you you have a below 900 save percentage, right? You're letting in almost four goals a game. Like, do you yeah, want to stick around? Trade for that. Who says trade? Why? Like he considered retiring prior to you know joining the Blackhawks. Who says he just doesn't be like you know what I can't do this. I'm retiring, especially with all the stigma around the Blackhawks with uh, Kyle Beach. I I don't know I don't know if Flurry's the kind of guy to you know I think now that he's taken on the mantle I don't think he's gonna retire midway. You know he's kind of made a commitment to the team and the obligation. And, you know, obviously you're walking away from a lot of money. You'd be breaching your contract. So I think he's, he, at the very least, he'll try to ride it out. He might request a trade, but, like, who's going to take him, right? But Seven I, million, 38-year-old goalie or however old he is with a below 900 save percentage. I don't think this is about the money, though, because if he was rec- considering retiring prior, then he would have left money on the table then, too. I mean, who knows? I, I, I agree that I don't think Flurry's that kind of guy where he'll just you know drop and leave everything but you know maybe if considering if the you know the Kyle Beat situation there's more light shown and you know they do more investigating towards what the players did that might force Flurry's hand especially if some of those leaders you know are actually instigating things 
yeah, I mean, at this point, it's all just speculation. It's just hard to say what they're going to do. But definitely, this is a spiral that it's getting worse and worse. However, out of all the teams we're going to talk about, I think Chicago's, you know, one of the few that has a chance to get out of this. Like, the talent's in that dressing room, right? Like, a team with Patrick Kane, an older flurry, but still flurry, and Seth Jones, who is not great, but he's not terrible. Like, he's that not team playing bad, win. though. He's, I mean, eight points, ten games. Yeah, Something you know, like he's not doing good defensively, but oh, he's, yeah, he's yeah. doing his role. Yeah. He's putting up points. I mean, despite everything, he's actually doing better than he was doing in Columbus, so, like, that's better than something. And, you know, where's his support on that blue line, right? Like, it's just not there, so... Well, he plays with I mean, Calvin I can DeHaan. see them turn around. Yeah, you play with Calvin DeHaan. Like, what, what chance do you have to stop the puck from going in the net? I mean, to be fair to Calvin DeHaan's case, Calvin DeHaan's not the worst defensive part in that uh, pairing. Seth Jones is being targeted in a lot of games, and that's how teams are riding at the scores. They're going after Seth, or going after Seth Jones. There. Well, you know, I, he's a nine million dollar man. Everybody wants him, I guess, but uh, he's only five million right now. It's next year that it starts. Oh, next year. Okay, so he's only think, five million. He's yeah. fine then. Yeah, he can play like this for now. No one cares. But I mean, like you, you are right though. The, the talent on the Chicago Blackhawks is there, but I think a lot of it also does come down to the coaching. The coach has Dylan Strom on the fourth pair, and he's he also also has Strom. what? And, and it's also scratched Strom. And Taves is not even in the top six. He has guys like uh, Kurashev and Hardman playing top six minutes. Who the hell are these? I've never heard of them prior. Hartman's pretty good. I've never heard of Kershaw. That's that's a made-up human being. Is Hartman better than Strom or Taves? Strom, maybe. Taves, no. There's no way. Yeah, so definitely, like, mishandling. Like, there's that photo floating around of, you know, they call a timeout with, like, 50 seconds left in the game, and he hands the whiteboard to the players. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Like, just brutal. Like, nothing left. I don't know. I can see a move. Now that Bowman's gone, like, the new GM's going to come in and be like, you're not my guy. Like, I don't owe you anything. And I need a win now because I don't have a first next year. So I could see I could see Collington being moved. Like, there's a plethora of good coaches on the market, like Bruce Boudreaux, John Tortorella. Like, they could get someone good who would know how to make these guys work. I mean, I think Tortorella would be a great fit with Chicago. It, if they played a more defensive system, they could do some serious damage. You think it would? I don't know. Do you think he'd want to fit the vibe there right now, though? I think he's been pretty critical. Like, I mean, maybe he'd want to come tame things around, but I feel like this just isn't his vibe right now. The, he just he did say like he was upset about it. Um, like James said, he's been pretty critical. But yeah, that's a lot to take around because whoever the new coach is yeah. has the mantle of not only fixing this broken team but fixing the culture. Yeah, but there's there's no one other than Tortorella of like NHL caliber or any still prestige coaches that I could see taking on that challenge. Bruce Boudreaux, the fucking barbecue guy? You kidding me? Uh, before you talk smack, look at Bruce Boudreaux's record. Look yeah, at barbecue uh, Bruce's record. Look at his for itself. Look at him in the playoffs. Look at Tortorella in the playoffs recently. <laughs> and you, you got me there. The only time he won a cup was when he had a chief for it in 2004. <sighs> so you, you Be gone with that barbecue Bruce slander. 
And at least Seth Jones would like Bruce Boudreaux. He just left Columbus to get away from Tortorella, and then he's back in there. Absolute nightmare fuel. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they do. This is like one of the situations where I, like, you know, a lot of teams right now are going with younger, new coaches. And for some, it's working, like Buffalo with Don Granado, and some it's not working, and we'll get to them. But. I feel like Chicago needs that veteran hand leadership to get these older guys kind of back in motion. Well, I think it's important to note that just because you have a younger coach doesn't mean it's a good coach. <coughs> Jeff Ward. Um, but if you look at the Blackhawks situation, they're actually in a really tough situation going forward. and like Their moves are tough for this year, but... They have zero cap space. The Seth Jones contract kicks in next year, but they have to sign Kubalik, Strom, Doc, and DeHaan. How do you do that? Like, they got one more year left on Kane and Taze, at least. Yeah, but you yeah, have so to sign those guys next year. <clears throat> yeah, you kinda, but, I mean, you're going to have to sentence um, DeHaan to the Phantom Zone. Like He's not getting a penny. He's gone. But then there's a void in your top four. Yeah, and that's that's they're they're definitely gonna have an issue. But I mean, it's, you look, they're they're thirty first of thirty second in the league for goals against. Like, you know, their back end could probably use the whole refresh anyway, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but a lot of that's also the big nine million dollar contracts fault. He's, he's not, I just I sorry. I can see them losing a Cuba League again. Like they just lost Pius Suter, who was really good, and they lost him for nothing to Detroit. I feel like Cuba League could be that casualty again. I could see that happening. With just zero cap space, someone would just have to offer a market value, and that's it. Even below market value, Chicago might not be able to afford it. Because Koopa League right now is fourth in their team for scoring. He has three goals, three assists in ten games, which isn't bad. Like That's, that's, a, really good. that's, that's respectable, especially on a team that only has one win. A team that's only scored 22 goals but has been outscored by uh, 38. It's bad. It's a shameful situation. Um, you know, if they keep this path, they might into the doghouse. But they're not the only team that's doing horrible. Uh, there's one team that was expected to do far better than Chicago, and they've kind of been falling apart. The not so golden Knights, Jimbo. How do you feel about them right now? Yeah, I'm kind of confused about that. To be honest, I'm not sure what's clicking for them because you know, on paper, you know, they haven't changed a whole ton. You know, I'm I'm pretty big on their goalie there. Um, you know, I, I think everyone, and I think it was pretty clear from my episode before, I can't remember who did the Pacific. Was it, was it you, Connor? That, no, you didn't, wasn't you. It was, uh, JJ, I think, did the predictions for the Pacific. And, uh, I think it was pretty much in agreement that the Golden Knights, the Knights were going to take it away because everyone thinks that the Pacific is the worst division in, in the NHL. And yet, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what's clicking, to be honest, with the, the Golden Knights. You know, I think it's quite interesting what's happening. Uh, with the Calgary Flames getting up there and Edmonton obviously to a good start, but we know that they're regular season teams, so no surprise there. But um, you know what? They lost four nothing against Toronto yesterday, right? Was it four nothing? Like shut out? Like it's ridiculous. Like this is a team that's supposed to be built super strong, and it's it's no surprise that uh, you know maybe their GM is in the hot seat and starting to uh, put a lot of pressure onto that Eichel trade situation rumor, right? So. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. Have they have they been dealing with injuries or? They, they, I, like, they've been injured to hell. Yeah. To to start yeah. off on their list that of injured, sense. they have Mark Stone, Nolan Patrick, Max Pacioretty, Alex Tuck, and William Carlson. They're all out. Oh right well, now. there you go. Then yeah. But to be fair, William Carlson had played eight games for this team, and he had three points. Right. Three points in eight games is not a top six caliber kind of guy. It just kind of feels like they lost the magic. Like this isn't the first time Vegas has had an injury slump. Like I'm not sure if you guys remember their first year where they were on like their sixth string goalie and it was that kid from Kamloops yeah. they had to call up. Yeah. But they they won. They were good. Like Vegas has always had this kind of magic and like they kept trading away guys every year for the big fish. You know Peter Angelo, Mark Stone, trade away uh, Flurry, who's your heart and soul, get rid of your coach who everyone loved, and it kind of feels like they lost the magic. Like they um, almost kind of yeah. come across as like this disposable franchise where like if you're not the new hot thing, you're gone. So they're really struggling for goals up front here. Yeah, and I mean... Marshall Show's got four points in nine games. You need more from him. Yeah, I, it's, it's pretty bad when Chandler no Stevenson is your top scorer. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Uh, no one's picking up the slack then from those injuries. Like, like nothing against Chandler Stevenson. He has nine points in nine games. Like, he's doing good. That's great. But, like, he should not be your top scorer by any means. And you, you're absolutely right. And with that whole... They, they just kind of get rid of anyone to get the new Hawk Maddy, and that kind of isn't going away, especially with the Eichel rumors. Like, who are guys mentioning to be going the other way? Alex Tuck, Carlson? Like, these are the guys that were the Theodore. core of the team, and they're talking about just getting rid of them for the new Hawk Maddy, which is Jack Eichel. Like, it's going to make it difficult in a couple of years when teams or players just don't want to go to Vegas. Because they don't want to just be gone. Nah, they're never going to. No one's never going to want to go to Vegas. I think they've kind of got a trump card there with their location, but location and taxes yeah yeah they're always going to be good i mean why would you go to vegas when you can go to florida or tampa where you're not going to be just like gone the moment you have a slump they have lower taxes they do but better climate you know in florida you're going to make your money tampa you know besides the whole 18 million over the cap they they sacrificed half their roster this year where every year vegas will throw money at the new guy so it always feels nice to be the prettiest girl at prom, and I can see them. I mean, they're trying again with Eichel. I've uh, run into a bit of a hot spot right now with the Flames offering Kachuk and half the other team, but we'll see where that goes. Hopefully, we'll get some breaking news while recording. But yeah, no, it's very, it's a very difficult situation for the Vegas Golden Knights, and I don't even know if Eichel fixes that. Like, you blow up your roster, whatever's left of it. You trade Theodore, you trade Riley Smith for money reasons, and you trade Tuck. So you lost even more on your roster, and who's going to be playing? Eichel's not going to be there. Look at their injuries. Yeah, Eichel doesn't fix that situation, because what, Pacioretty's out for six weeks, Carlson out six weeks, Stone out unknown. You bring in Eichel, he's out for, what, six months? You're gonna so. you're gonna blow your team up just to have Eichel chill in the press box with uh, <laughs> Mark Stone? Like, why? I, I, no one's ever considering, too, like, what happens when they all come back? How much does Mark Stone make? Like, nine-plus million? And then you also have Eichel at 10.5 and Pat Ready at like 6. How the hell do you afford that team? And also, so well, Peter Angel's like trade nine. a lot of guys, yeah. yeah like, you're going to have to get rid of Riley Smith, Tuck, another guy. You, you, and the you, issue, too. Sorry. You, you look you, at Vegas's. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Connor. I was going to say, you become the Toronto of the States. That's basically it. Yeah, top heavy and nothing below. And the issue with Vegas, too, if you look at their cap friendly, nearly all their guys have no movement clauses. 
So you're going to go to these guys, you're going to go, hey, I know you like your no-income tax playing for one of the best teams in the league in the sunny weather. How about you go to Buffalo, New York? How many dudes are going to waive their no-movement clause? Every guy's modified no-movement clause is all of the Canadian teams in Buffalo. That's what it is. I mean, that is true for basically every player. But you also got to consider this, too. Like, Vegas is getting scored on pretty frequently. They've given up 30 goals. That's not, like, under. That's pretty high for goals against and if they got rid of theodore in that trade for instance then your defense is just hurting because peter angelo's regressed like crazy i think it's time we have the conversation that robin laner is not a good goalie dude that's not true at all come from the buffalo jimbo, guy jimbo look at it what team has he been good on the islanders a defensive team that made sergey varlarmov good uh, one thing i would say is that um you know, I, I think that uh, Lehner, he, he does show himself in, in waves because he does seem to get injured, right, every once in a while. So he seems to shine and then get injured and shine and get injured. So you don't get a whole consistent season out of him. Like, when was the last time he was, you know, fit to play for a whole season? That doesn't happen very often, does it, right? And so maybe, maybe it's almost like, to your point, you know, maybe it's an effect that you don't see him all the time, you know, and so when you do see him, you get some highlights, always pretty good, and always injured for two weeks, like, you know, you kind of forget about him, and uh, I don't know, I still think he's a good goalie, though, he showed himself well in Buffalo, and that's saying something, so. Yeah, back in the dark I'm, days of Sabres land. I'm, I'm taking a stand now, this is my, this is my take, I will die on, Robin Lehner is not a good goalie. I think he's a decent goalie, I'm not sure if he's a good goalie, but, like, this is the first time in a couple of years he hasn't worked in a tandem. You also think Shesterkin is a bad goalie. He's having a hot start. I don't. Yes, I, he I is. I still don't buy it. I still. You gave me a hard time it. for uh, picking him as my first goal in fantasy. So that was a bad move. That was a bad yeah. <laughs> Dude, no, it wasn't. It's no, going to no. dip. He's playing way above. It's All like right, Markstrom boys. right now. You're on camera, so. Let it be known by the end of the season when Laner still has like a sub 9-10 save percentage and Vegas fans are calling for his head that I said it here first, that Robin Laner is not a good goalie. I mean, to be fair, though, with that forward core that Vegas is marching out right now, do you have any like ability to believe that they're able to like sustain offensive pressure and sustain offensive zone time? Because if not, the puck's in Vegas's end, and you're going to score when you have heavy pressure. That's just how it yeah. works. I mean, I see your point, but I raise you an extra point. Just because you have bad forwards is not an excuse for having, you know, a poor save percentage. Case in point, the Buffalo Sabres. What's Craig Anderson's save percentage? Like, 0.940? Kyle Pozo is playing 16 minutes a night. The Sabres have gone I'm off waiting the for hot starts to make a before. Save. I'm waiting for Laner to make a save. He is not a good goalie. The Sabres have gone off to hot starts before, and they've collapsed before. Laner is not the guy. He's a goalie, but he's not the guy. He's not a flurry. He's not Craig Anderson. He's not the guy. All right? So you, you take your respect for Chandler Stevenson. I think you're too harsh on him. Just so you wait. Just so you wait. <sighs> And the issue is, too, if they trade for Jack Eichel, and the whole thing is like, oh, we'll, uh, we'll Tampa Bay Lightning it. We'll put them on the cap, you know, yeah. LTIR. they got to make playoffs. the playoffs. 
Are they going to make it? There's 82 games. No, but they at least have their first round pick this year. It's not like they gave away their first round and they're going to miss the playoffs like some teams. Uh, I don't know. Chicago. It's it's hard to say. Like Vegas is in such a weird spot, and I feel like the Eichel trade is such a knee jerk reaction to do something. I don't think it actually fixes their team. It doesn't. You know, I definitely doesn't. think. But the, their goalie's on the hot seat, or their GM's on the hot seat. That is. Yeah. Like it would like don't get me wrong, Eichel goes anywhere. They're instantly a better team, except for the Buffalo Sabers apparently. But um, him going to Calgary, I think, makes a lot more sense for like the age and timeline of that team. Honestly, I I see that more being a real or realistic approach. But with the Vegas GM like literally having to go like we need to win the cup this year or next year. I really see him just pulling out all the stops to make something big happen. Like I guess that... I don't know. Like I feel like they need something more now, and Jack Eichel is more of a long term thing. I guess like I don't see how that fixes their situation this year. And like the core age too, like Peter Angelo's in his thirties, Pacioretty's in his thirties, Stones in his thirties. They're win now. They're not Eichel in his prime you know, build the group together like Calgary is with, you know, Lindholman being 26 and Hannafin being 24, right? Like, I, I think they need to trade for, like, a proven playoff guy who can also chip in points. Sam Bennett. <laughs> like, I think Sam Bennett no way. makes Vegas... Dude, Ben's making his money and then some in Florida right now. Man's on an absolute steal of a contract. Everyone was making fun of him in the summer for that deal that they overpaid because he had a two good punts. Man's lighting it. Didn't he get, like, a hat-trick? Like, dude's insane. Sam Bennett is the best player in the NHL. You can quote me on that. Wow. McDavid wow. JJ would be proud. JJ proud. This might be a bit of an off-tangent, then. Is there a fear for Calgary fans that if you trade for Eichel, you guys Sam Bennett him? Like, what if he comes here and he just can't score? I don't think that's oh, going to yeah. happen. Calgary's cursed, man. Cal- Calgary's cursed, but Calgary is also now has like a world class coach for the first time in forever. And Daryl Sutter, like, look at this whoa, first round, and like, look at what this guy's whoa, doing. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You were this is the same. You were you were roasting freaking Daryl Sutter when he came into town. Yeah, I was, and I was very skeptical. Like, I still have I some of that skeptics because like he still is playing Nick or Brett Ritchie. <laughs> With Manji Pani and Dube, and he's burying uh, Monaghan with Luch and Lewis. Like, don't get me wrong, I still have my reserves, but like, of all the coaches Calgary's had in the last decade, he's by far the best one we've had. Like, you can't really deny that. Fickle flame fans. I'm not saying <laughs> like I, I'm I'm not saying D- Daryl Sutter's like the be all end all, but I think like he's definitely got the team to commit and buy in this year. So you have. He is the best coach we've had. Like I would have preferred uh, okay. a guy like Gallant, but like. But think about it like this: you have a coach who's very hard on players, who's more defensively oriented, and everyone chips in. Yeah. And you're gonna trade for general manager Jack Eichel, who gets coaches fired. Jack Eichel can't get Daryl Sarah fired from the Flames. Uh, Jack just... Eichel got Dan Balsma fired after he won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, but that, that but that was in Buffalo. Sutter and the Flames. There's no you can't get rid of Sutter and the Flames. That's that's just not how it works. I don't works. think you understand. If you guys trade Kachuk and however many picks and prospects you can find, 
Eichel is going to have more power in that organization than anybody else. No, Daryl Sutter will have more power than Eichel, and that will always be the case because Sutter was one of the boys for like the O four guys. Yeah, a team that didn't win a cup. You just traded your the team that should have won the cup, and you know about robbery being a Sabres. You just traded your best player for Jack Eichel. He now holds the key to the castle. I mean, sure, he may hold the key to the castle, but if anyone gets fired, it's Trey Living, and that honestly, like. With what Sutter has done with this team, the team is buy-in. It's not like they're not scoring. They've had how many games over three goals this season? Like, what, four? Four or five out of their seven games or so? Or eight games, I should say? That's not bad for a defensive-minded team. That's pretty good. It's good, but it's going to be an impossible task to bring in these big personalities and pray to God that they mend. I mean, you're not wrong, but just on this tangent, though, while we're at it, you also got to consider Kachuk is also a very big personality, too. And sometimes that's, that's, a, a fresh that's restart. That's what Buffalo needs. <sighs> our, our, me, our biggest personality is Jeff Skinner, and all he does is smile. We need a son of a bitch in the dressing room. Like, Kachuk would fit in perfectly in Buffalo, mainly because we have nothing else to fit in with. Kachuk and Cousins would be a dirty fare, but... Just going back to some of these uh, bad teams, let's move on to the Seattle Kraken while we got a chance. Like, like we just said, it's really hard to bring in a bunch of different personalities and make them work. And Dave Haxtell isn't, you know, Gerard Gallant, unfortunately. And we're kind of seeing that right now. Well, I mean, let, let's just paint the picture here. Seattle is starting off the season in 10 games to 3-6-1, and, and they have given up 33 goals while only scoring 25. That's not a bad ratio, but that's not what you would expect from a very strong defensive-oriented team, which they kind of built around. Um, when you look at Seattle, especially when they did their draft, what was their motto? It was defense-heavy first as well as goaltending-heavy. And you look at that team, they, don't, they went out and got a coach who's very offensively-minded. And I'll admit this is something where um, this might have aged quite well for Austin when he criticized their goaltending lineup. It's still early days, but you look at Grubauer's uh, record so far, it's not been great, right? And uh, look at the amount of goals they've given up for a team that, on paper, before the season started, looked like it was a defensive-minded team. Um, but yet they ranked one of the last for you know teams in the league for goals against. Um, albeit I'm very big on Dryder and he hasn't got to prove himself yet. He's only played one game. It was a rough game, but uh, I think he's off injured reserve now. So um, I think he can still come in and maybe take the reins or at least kind of share that from Grubauer and maybe that'll help them out on the, on the back end. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of crazy though. Like you look at Tenet, like he's doing pretty good. Hey, like he's a player that's not typically really good. Not a player that you would think, you know, would be doing this good. So he's really definitely been, if we just kind of look on, on the other end of what's kind of been a shining light for them, uh, you know, Tenno has been a very interesting run. Hey, like, Tana's, 10 goals, 6 goals, like... 6 goals in 10 games is pretty good for Brandon Tanev. But, and Jeremy yeah. McCann's been playing good. He has 7 points. Mark Giordano having 6 points in 10 games is pretty good for a defenseman, too. But it, it does come down to their goaltending, which... You, you kind of wonder, did they make the right choice in goalies on the UFA market this year? I already answered this question in the summer, and my take stands. Their goaltending's not good enough. Did Colorado end up much better? I don't think so. 
But is it... that one I'm shocked by. I, I'm shocked yeah. Kemper's falling apart. But he also doesn't have the talk at defense in front of him, which is something I've always said to JJ, and he's not here to defend himself, is that Kemper will not make the Olympic team because he's not going to have a shutdown defense in front of him. And now we're seeing that in Colorado. Yeah, Colorado has a good defense, but it's not a shutdown style. Any goalie can thrive in a moving puck team. Yeah. yeah, any goalie can thrive in a shutdown style defense. That's not a, you know, a secret really. Um, but I think like also like the issue with Seattle is they didn't have that like, like Vegas. Obviously, they had you know the tragedy that happened, but their first, you know, everyone was talking about no one wanted these guys, and they played their first home game in their arena, and it was this big ceremonious thing. Seattle kind of started off like without a whimper, like a four-game road trip, just because they didn't have their arena made. Like it was this very like they didn't have this like energy backing them that Vegas did, and also like the culture felt a bit different, you know. Like Vegas was these underdogs; no one believed in them. And now, like when Seattle came and everyone, we just expected them to be good. So rather than having that like edge to play with, you know, like how all the guys on Vegas were like, we're the golden misfits; no one wanted us. All the Seattle guys were kind of feeling pretty good about themselves. They're like, oh, we just went to a better team. I mean, I guess, but I don't think anyone looked at Seattle's team that got drafted and was like, this is a good team. I mean, I think there were some and, like people that thought they could do well, but like, look at that forward core. And no one did with Vegas either, right? Look at the core at the time. is like, eh, that's okay. But maybe they had a couple more plays that kind of flew under the radar and really started to shine as soon as they came onto the Golden Knights. Like Marshall Show. Marshall Show, he was like... Pretty good. He's still good in Florida, and it was a shame. I'm sure it's a shame to see him go from that organization. But then he was insane, like the next season. But it, it also, was so like, maybe they're just missing that star power. But you know? a lot of these guys that Vegas got had like flashes in the pan of like some brilliance, or were like a highly touted out prospect, or were, you know there was something there. There's a lot of guys in Seattle who are like, who? Like where well, did this guy like, come from? Vegas had those breakouts, like. William Carlson scored 42 goals. Yeah, Carlson was a big year. one. That's yeah. huge. And, like, Seattle hasn't been getting... Like, I thought Morgan Geeky was going to be that for Seattle. He had that written all over him. Like, a center prospect has kind of been forgotten about, but he's really skilled. And he had that great first game and nothing since. Like, they're just not having the luck that Vegas had where Vegas everyone had a career. Yeah, missing that star power, right? Like, they just... Uh, they're pretty mediocre, and they needed someone just to just develop into that next level, and maybe that just hasn't happened. Like, I always say the issue with Buffalo is they it's not that they don't have good players. You can take any guy on a Buffalo team and throw them on Tampa Bay, and they'd be a good player on the third and fourth line. The issue is that's our entire team. We're just third and fourth liners. And that's Seattle, right? They don't have their guy. When your guy's Brandon Tanev, that's a bit of an issue, isn't it? That's a like, big I issue. I love Brandon Tanev. I wish Buffalo got him. You know, I love the Tanev brothers, but, like, come on. Yeah, like, you know, yeah. like, come on. Like, he's not your Carlson, at, right? Like, no, he's not a William Carlson. Yeah. He's not a William Carlson. But if you look at like Seattle's top six, like their first line, Jaden Schwartz, Alexander Wegenberg, Jonas Donskoy. Then second line, Brandon Tanev, Yanni Gord, and then Kalyon Croak. Like there's like Tanev and Schwartz are like they're fine, but like that center right wing depth is basically third and fourth liners, just like you're saying, Austin. Like they needed someone big. Like, I'm surprised because they had so much cap space that they didn't throw any towards like a guy like Zach Hyman, for instance. And also, I think they lack, they have too much kindness and that they got Ron Francis as a GM, who's a good GM, but he's a nice guy. He's been in the NHL a long time. He has a lot of friends. 
Vegas went out and got the biggest prick of a GM in George McPhee, who was threatening teams. He got draft picks. And I kind of got the vibe that, it, like, Eric Francis was like, oh, I'll, uh, I'll take this guy. And they're like, or unless you give us picks. And they're like, we're not going to give you picks. And then he just moved on from it. He didn't have that ruthless edge that Vegas like, did. Yeah. Their biggest uh, threat, and threat, you know, wasn't it to Calgary being like, give us a first round or we'll take Giordano. And then Trilling's like, said, oh, yeah. okay, go take, for it, bud. Yeah, like, take it. Like, I get yeah. you got you to gotta keep your price, but you didn't get one trade. Like, Vegas had three first-round picks in their first draft. That's insane. That's a crazy amount of picks. And Seattle, granted, they got second overall, and they got a good player, but that's it. Like, they were not ruthless enough. I mean, you they could have, like, extorted a lot of teams, but they never did. A team like Montreal, they probably could have extorted. I think Bergevin would have tried to keep heaven and earth to keep Price around, but they never threatened to take Price. When the rumor came out that Price could be available, they're like, eh, no, it's not true. Why? Yeah, and also, like, Eric, like Ron Francis, he's a great team builder, as you look at what he did with Carolina, but he's never the flashy, hard GM. He likes to slowly build the team through the draft. And granted, now, you know, Carolina's one of the best teams in the league, but how many years did it take to get there? And how many luck in the draft did they get, you know, getting second overall year when they were, like, 14th to get Svechnikov? Yeah, that's a big one. That's a huge one, right? So I feel like almost Seattle's content with doing that. Like, they want to make the playoffs, Just but they have a good him. core, and they got veneers coming, so, like, there's no pressure right now to do it now. And I kind of just feel like that, like, you know, we almost, we, we were thinking they were going to be a Vegas part two, and they just haven't been. Yeah, they've been very different, right? And they, get, they go and make Giordano the captain, which still confuses me, man. The dude's going to be gone in a couple of years, and you need another captain, like, when, and you're just a new franchise, and you're a second captain in three years. Like, I don't get it, man. I don't know if Gio yeah, will be gone course. in a year or so. In a couple of years, a couple of years. No, he's a UFA after this year. Oh, so you think he will be going, you're saying? No, I'm saying he won't. Like, well, oh, no, no, no. I think he'll sign. I think he'll sign, but like, not. he's not going to be playing until he's 43. Char's playing until he's 43. No, he's not. No, I don't think so. And like, Gio's, think Gio, Gio's <laughs> falling down, but like, relatively speaking, if you look at like, war, like wins above replacement, Gio's still way over 60. That's not bad for a guy who's in his late 30s. I think Gio comes back to Calgary, and I think he, uh, I think he rides that one last year, so. and then he retires. You don't think so? No. There's only well, two they made him captain that live in Seattle. Calgary. I don't think I don't think he has a place in Seattle. I think this is just a one year thing for him. His whole family's no. still here. I don't think so. I, I mean, I would love to see Gio back in the Flames. Like, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, I just don't see it happening. Especially no, I... like, at what at what price point would you keep like, go after Giordano? Eight hundred thousand. Two mil. That's just really it. Yeah, no more than that. That's a sense. Yeah, yeah, two yeah, two mil is about right. I mean, if you're giving good brands, then two mil. GSL I think just like being the first captain of a brand new franchise, like, is a pretty prestigious thing, and I don't think he would give that up to yeah. go back to Calgary for a year. Yeah, that, so. That's the character Gio was. That's he won't. Yeah, go. he is a good guy. Yeah. All right, all right, James. Let's make a little friendly wager. If Gio comes back to Calgary, you owe me a bottle of eight hundred coconut. Yeah, that's if yeah. If he stays go in Seattle, I owe you. Yeah, both okay, ways. I'm in. Deal. Alrighty. I'm telling you, he's okay. coming back, and that tequila is going to taste damn good. <laughs> Sounds I, good. I, I just don't see it happening. But, I mean, just going back to you, you mentioned goaltending as, like, why would they go for Grubauer? There were some great goalies in that UFA market who played 
with a team that did not have a good defense in front of it. You get guys like Linus Allmark, Peter Mrazek, and arguably the best goaltender on the market. Who has Craig this. Anderson. Nope, but it is an Anderson. Freddie. The blue, Bluetooth? And like, he was a former Carolina pick. Like, I'm surprised like, he did not get taken. Freddie Anderson. Like, it just makes sense. He he faces a lot of shots, he eats a lot, and he plays a ton of minutes. I, I think there was a fear around Freddie just because he had that injury with Toronto. And when he came back at the end of the year, he got lit up in the AHL. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. So I think, like, a couple teams were hesitant, but Carolina was just kind of getting any press away from the Tony D'Angelo signing. So, but there was a lot better goalies. Like, the Grubauer one, like, it baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. I mean, he's a, on a good team, President's Trophy winners, right? Or You know what, to, give it to, yeah. give it to James, um, you know, maybe he is a good goalie because Kemper is now playing in Colorado and he's struggling. So maybe it's not all defense there. Granted, Colorado's defense is a bit different this year. They have a bit younger guy. I mean, like okay, look what happened to Bob, man, Bobrovsky. I mean, he's a living legend, signs that insane $10 million deal that first season, or at least last season, you know, he was... He was horrific, and you know he he sat. I soured on him so bad. I had him in fantasy. You know it was complete destruction of my whole season. It was ruined by Bob, and you know not a chance I would ever draft him again. Comes back this season. He's back on the case, just yeah, like no, that. Like, so it's it's hard too. Like goalies are such a finicky part of the sport. Like the yeah. reason why we always see these rookies do good is just because no one knows how to score on them, and then they get figured out. Like whenever we. Koskinen came into the league, and everyone's like, "This is the greatest Finnish goalie of all time. No one can score on Miko Koskinen." And then they figured out if you put it on his glove side, he'll let it in every time, and then he became immediately garbage. Okay, I had some beef with Koskinen, just similar to that. I took Koskinen last year in fantasy, absolute garbage. He comes back this year, absolutely amazing. It's the uh, curse. It, it's it's by the situation though, because Mike Smith died. It, it's the curse. Yeah. Same thing happened with Ben Bishop with me. Still not over it. Yeah, like it's, it's you know, hockey is one of the only sports where you have a position that's so crucial to team success and yet so finicky. Where every year the goalies are different, they're good or bad, they make teams, they break teams, right? So it's just overall difficult situation. I do look forward to when Dragger comes back because he's back now, I believe. Hopefully he doesn't die again because, um, like, he, I don't know. He he really played very well in Florida last year. Doesn't mean he's going to play well this year, but I think he could, he could really help out. You know. So. Do you think he gets more starts than Grubauer going forward? Mm, no, I think they'll tandem it. Girl, I mean Grubauer has a crease right now just because he's played eight games and Dreda's played one. But yeah. uh, I I think yeah, if if Dreda comes back and he plays well, they'll tandem it and then um, they'll go from there. But I, I don't. I see them probably being a tandem for the rest of the season if they both stay healthy. Do you, and I guess we kind of touch on this lightly, but do you boys think if come like February this team still sucks, that they either stand pat and try to build around this core, or do they take all the assets they have and blow it up and just get I don't as many think draft they have picks? How much assets to blow up, dude? You don't. You don't think Brandon Tanev could get some playoff team will bite on Brandon Tanev the way he's playing? Some team no, will think... tr- absolutely try to, but. I mean, I guess Canem's not a piece that you look at going forward and be like, this is a guy we need to build around. Like, no disrespect, but, like, Tanev's not, you know, the guy or should be the guy. 
I think all they can do is uh, build around the good pieces they have and start uh, actually signing players in the offseason and start drafting players. And I think that's all they can do. I don't think there's really a whole lot they can sell. Um, I think they've got to do all their work in the offseason. I mean, Interesting. if you're talking about players that they can salvage, like the only players that they really have that they should keep, you know, to build around is Vince Dunn and Morgan Geeky. That's really about it. Everyone else is kind of up in age and basically expendable if they're going to go for a full rebuild. It might be worth it. And then, you know, end of the month or, uh, you know, March, April time, sign Matty Beneers once his college year finishes just to get him a couple games in. I mean, see what it, he can do. If they somehow make the playoffs with a weak Pacific division, like they saw Matty Beneers, they get like a Kale McCarr esque effect going into the playoffs. Is the Pacific a weak division? I mean, Anaheim sucks, but Edmonton's tearing it up. Calgary's tearing it up. Vegas is struggling, but they'll turn it around. San Jose's good again. LA's kind of good. Like, okay, the Pacific's San... actually been a lot better than we thought. Yeah, but it's also early. How many of those teams are do you think sustain it? San Jose is going to sustain. It. They don't have a guy throwing games anymore. They're basically you know going to win the cup now. You're not wrong. There, there's no Pat. There's no uh, Vander Kane there. No, like it's definitely a different situation. Although Timo Meyer just got hurt for San Jose, so that's going to be a big blow to their offense. No matter. They got Rudolph Balsers. They don't need anybody else. I I don't see it. But if we're talking about like someone strong that we thought or something strong that has kind of been disappointing. I think we got to talk about Montreal now. I didn't think they were going to be strong. I didn't have to make the playoffs. James I mean, has been waiting for this cold <laughs> off-field moment. He's going to town. He's been waiting all year for this. I, mean, I should say, I have nothing against the player Cole Caulfield. I think he's a great player. <laughs> Um, my issue is, is of course, when he got called up last season and there's 10 million TSN and sports that post about him that he was the greatest thing alive to a man that was unproven and you just could not get him off your feed. So I think it's very ironic now that he's getting sent down to the minors and it's just radio silence. I, so. I, I do want to add one thing too, because this is a bit of sourness. Um, and it's not just TSN and Sportsnet. ESPN released their top 100 players in the NHL and had Cole Caulfield at 71. Johnny Goudreau and Elias Lindholm and Andrew Mangiapane, three Flames who are all about a point-per-game guys right now, all off that list. That's pretty funny. I didn't know that stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think he got very hyped up, and I feel bad for him you know, because he did have a very good postseason, you know, no one will argue how good he was when he came in, uh, got called up. But then I feel like it's almost that pressure mounted. And we know how the culture over there in Montreal is, right? I mean, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. That is pretty insane. So, of course, this season, they're going to have similar expectations, if not higher, right? I mean, I'm sure a lot of fans thought, make it to the final last year. You know, we clearly have a team that can make it to the Cup. You know, when you look on the paper and you see Shea Webb is out, Price is out, you know, Shea Weber may never play again. Um, those are two huge pieces gone. and But, you know, players like Cole Caulfield and the rest, they still carry the same weight from the fans. But the roster has changed dramatically from a leadership perspective. And um, and arguably those two guys are the, the ones that backpacked to the final. And so that pressure remained. And um, obviously, you know, Cole specifically, I know he's kind of been 
he's kind of taken a lot of the heat, um, but it's not just a Cole thing, it's the whole team. The whole team has not performed to, to, to where they were last year. And uh, I think it's pretty understandable when you look at you know those two big pieces alone that have been missing. Yeah, I mean, I just want to add to the Cole Caulfield thing a little bit. Like, this this is a kid still, and in his first 10 games that he played last year in the regular season, he had a .5 points per game. He Like, that's not, like, blow you out of the water. He had four goals, one assist in 10 games. And then in the playoffs, he only had four goals and eight assists. The hype around this kid is definitely hurting him right now. It's not his fault that, like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things going wrong with Montreal, like Jimbo said, but, like, he like his numbers aren't there, but he's also a rookie. And to, to tout him as, like, oh, one of the top 100 best players in the league, like, that's a lot of pressure, especially in the most diehard hockey market in the world. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk about how he's, like, overthinking, right? He's not just, like, going with the shoot-first mentality, you know, he's, he's overthinking the puck, and it, it seems like that's really, he just needs that reset, which is why, you know, sending him down does make a lot of sense, you know, if he can go down there, score some good goals, really tear it up, you know, just, like, reset his mind and then kind of start things over, because I think that's exactly what he needs, because the hype has just gotten too much in Montreal, you know, I think just too much expectations, people thought for sure he's going to win the Calder, you know, thought it was no competition. Like, I think it just yeah. got a little out of control. I mean, the hype is really crazy in Montreal about Cole Caulfield. I was there recently, and going through their airport, he his face is everywhere. Everywhere. You don't see Nick Suzuki. You don't see Carey Price. You don't see Shea Weber. You don't see Jonathan Drew and Josh Anderson. It's Caulfield. Hmm. His face is everywhere. And that's, This is for I, a guy that played how many games last season? Like, 10. 20? He's had, he has 20 NHL games. Yeah. That's pretty wild, huh? He's a he's an electrifying player on a non-electrifying team. Yeah, and that's why they're marketing him. But the issue is, like James said, they lost Weber, they lost Price. Those are two tough shutdown guys, and now you know they have Suzuki, Romanov. They lost Edmondson like, too. Edmondson too. So you lose all these shutdown guys, and your coach still coaches a shutdown style, but your whole team's young. Like, I just don't know how this is going to work. I think they need a coaching change, to be honest, with the, how their team's built. It's not built to be the shutdown team, but it's a bit hard to find a French coach who doesn't, you know, coach that style. So it's going to definitely be a difficult shake. In Montreal, like, this playoff, like, this record they have after making the final is unacceptable. Brindy, by the end of the day, I mean, it's no longer the Canadian division. They're playing, and I know they played some, obviously, they played... What did they have to play one non-Canadian team to make it to the final uh, last year? Right? Is that how it worked out? They, they just had two, to play yeah. one, well, including the final, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they only so, had to beat Vegas. Um, yeah. They only had to beat one American. Yeah, and so at the end of the day, I mean, it's no longer the Canadian division. It's you know the floodgates are opened. You're playing teams that you you know you haven't played in a couple of years. They finished. You know, different. like there's talks that Buffalo now wants a couple roster guys instead of just draft picks because they're playing well now. That's only after, like, what, six, seven games? Montreal finished 18th last year, but they made the final. They shouldn't have been in the playoffs if it weren't for the Canadian division. And so they're not a good team, and there's this, like, weight of pressure from the Montreal, you know, cult that it is to make the playoffs and, you know, win the Cup this year, which this team isn't a playoff team. Like, in no world is this team a playoff team. No, they're, they're, they're absolutely not. Like, th- this team, top to bottom is not a playoff team. Like, can you name their their four centers? 
Can you can you name their top two right now? Suzuki and I don't know if they still have Drewan playing center. Dvorak. Uh, it would be Suzuki and Dvorak, but Drew well Drewan's hurt, or he might have just gotten hurt actually. But it was actually no, it was Suzuki, Drewan, then Dvorak, and they gave up a first round pick for Dvorak to play him on the third oh, line. For uh fourth pick uh fourth center Luke Evans. Uh no Adam Brooks. Really? Wow. Okay. Ouch. Yeah, like th- this team is not an actual playoff team. Like, sure, Tyler Trafoli and Nick Suzuki are both like great players, but that team does not make the playoffs in like the regular year, and that's what so, you're saying. Let me pose a question then. So, Carey Price is slated to return, I believe, on the sixth or seventh. When he comes back, can he backpack this team back into where they belong into playoff spot? No. No. Think so? no. He was struggling in the regular season last year. Yeah. But in the playoffs, he, he was point. insane. Yeah, He's, in the playoffs. He, did, he got lit up in the AHL last season. And then he came back, Sam everyone was making Bennett fun of him. in Calgary. He sucks in the regular season now. He's just, he's at that age. He's not good in the regular season. I don't he know. I think a lot, a, of people, a lot of people started to doubt him once it was getting towards the end of the regular season last year. And then he got lit up in the AHL. And then everyone was making fun of him, you know, saying this guy sucks. He's not the same price as he used to be. But then the playoffs came around, and, like, he was a completely different goalie. He was unstoppable. Yeah, but the playoff atmosphere, you know, you are the net miner of the Montreal Canadiens. This is the world on your shoulders. That's a hell of a lot different than the regular season when it's a Tuesday night against Columbus, Ohio. Like, it's just hard to get up for those games. Yeah. And I just think at his age, he's just, he's not that guy. As well as, like, I, know, I, think, Montreal, I think you just kind of doubt him. As well as Montreal's not a team that is built to make the playoffs, but they're a team that's built that if they do make the playoffs, can do some damage. Their whole defensive identity and their whole identity in general is around beating the shit out of their opponents. And that is what they do. That's what playoff hockey is. Play, the refs put the whistles away in playoff hockey, which is an issue of its own. But. That works in Montreal's favor. Penalties are called in the regular season. You can't get away with cross-checking to do 30 times now. And yeah. that's going to hurt Montreal. They don't have a good penalty kill. Oh, I God. just I don't think they have what it's in them to make the playoffs. And they gave up a draft pick, too. Like, like I don't I don't think Bergevin's the man for this job anymore, to be honest. I think he's ran his course, and he's shown that he can't build the roster successfully. So, so I guess a question is, who's first to go? Is it Bergeron or their coach? Oh, coach. It's always the coach. It's, it gives the GM a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, but how many coaches has Bergeron had? How many years has he had? Especially after the whole incident with Kakinyemi and how he wasted the third or the third overall pick and then he didn't even match his offer. Like, I know Kakinyemi got overpaid, but like... Yeah, I guess like the fear for Matt Molson, or not Matt, the, the Molson family that owns Montreal is Bergeron expires this year. So if you fire him, you have to pay him severance. When you can just ride this year out, see how the team does, let them get a new coach, and if they don't make the playoffs, you can just let them walk. But the, coach... the Canadians are in such a tough spot. Like I don't understand how this team is up against the roof of the salary cap when you look at this roster. This, the contracts are brutal. It's not like that's going away next season either. It's getting no. worse next season when Suzuki's contract kicks in. So. And they're going to have to pay Cole Caulfield in a few years. I know right. that's like we're we're always looking a bit too ahead in the future, but like for a team that's so cap strapped and they're not getting that money, 
and they for a team that hasn't and... had success in however many years and would still you know i know they they last season was a success but like if we negate that season this is a team that hasn't been a successful team for many years how are they in this situation is should... making the finals once even a success nashville did it and they signed all those contracts and they suck now San- Dallas San- made the final. San Jose. Uh, the Ottawa Senators almost made the final. Ottawa's. And then had to blow up their team because they That was sucked. bad. Like, one miracle runs are fun. That Ottawa Senators run was one of the most fun playoff runs of all time. But it's not a sustainable way to build a franchise. You have to be built for the long term. you got to build a winner. And I, mean, I don't think Montreal has that. I mean, if you're looking at the long term for Montreal, too, one thing that's got to be concerning for Habs fans is Jeff Petrie. He's kind of regressed a ton this year, and he's 33 years old, and he signed for four more years. He and has been injured million. this year, and so he hasn't got to play a lot, but that's the thing. Every injury when you're 30 and older, is it's going to weigh you down a lot more. Yeah, and at $6.25 million with a no-movement clause. That's... I don't know. I don't know the situation with their cap, but isn't there going to be like if all these older guys who are signed forever retire? Isn't there some kind of cap penalty? Uh, not sure. There's got to be. Well, if it's not carry... on the Weber one because Nashville signed someone else signed Weber. Uh, yeah, no, not that Nashville would take the cap penalty if Weber retires, but I, I think it's only if it's which is also price. because everything else is bullshit. like. Everything else on Montreal is not like a horrible cap if the guys retire. Yeah. It absolutely is though for um for Weber though. Weber's is and Weber and Price are the only two that are bad. And I believe those ones came before the the current CBA. No legacy contracts, right? Yeah. yeah. There's apparently a rumor that Weber's already retired and he's working as a scout. That's what Drewan said. Who's he working for, Montreal? Montreal, yeah. He's just going around with uh, Bergevin. But they haven't filed any mm. official report, like um, retirement papers, which is like such a Montreal thing to do, like not actually report a guy retired. I mean, they they'd probably have to. The NHL would eventually crack down on and be like, "Hey, what's the issue?" Like, well, what? that's the thing. Like, he's just he, Montreal just says, "Oh, he's injured and he's traveling with the GM." But what's the downside to him retiring, other than for Nashville? Like, There's no downside Canadians. for you, Montreal. So why would they? Outside? Why would they not say that then? Maybe just, there's hope that he it'll comes look back. Bad or what? Uh, I don't know. I think I think it's already priced. I don't yeah. know. I think it's already priced, and I think everyone kind of knows that he's not going to come back. It seems pretty clear, but I it's going to be a horrible summer for Nashville. Yeah, when Shaver retires, that's going to be horrible because in, I think it's up this year, but in two years' time, that's like a twenty-three, twenty-four million dollar cap penalty. Yeah. That's no, that's nuts. That's a quarter of your cap gone like that. Uh, I feel like they'll work something out. But, I mean, we talked about Montreal being, like, kind of screwed. Most of their forward court, they only have one guy over 30. No, it's a young forward court. They just don't yeah, have a young. coach for it. Yeah, they, Montreal only has one guy over 30, and it's Mike Hoffman. And, like, they got a, you know, a good coach. They can probably do some damage still. Yeah, but just because you have young forwards doesn't mean they're young and good. Like, the Nick Suzuki payment was a bit premature. I think we can all agree Duran hasn't panned out. Like, they yeah. have these young guys, but they're just not good enough to win. Dr- this Duran, is a very meddling team. Duran hasn't panned out, but Suzuki's not been bad. I mean, in 11 games, Suzuki has 8 points. Yeah, he's definitely been that highlight. Right? 
I mean, a guy like Brandon Gallagher, who makes the most money of all their forward core, only has four points. I know, I picked him up in fantasy, and I had to drop him. He's been so terrible. He signed for six more years, by the way. Yeah, but Gallagher's a hard-working guy. That's a good contract. I like Gallagher. At six and a half million? That's, the guy, yeah, the, the like guy's Gallagher making 250000 less than Johnny Goudreau. I would take yeah, Gallagher over Goudreau. Nah. Johnny, Johnny won't be making that next year, so... I mean, Gallagher yeah. can do what maybe not put up the points that Johnny Gaudreau puts up in the regular season, but he puts up a hell of a lot more in the playoffs. So Honestly, and to me, 6.5 nowadays doesn't sound like a lot. Because, I mean, yeah, after all much. those contracts, like those 9.5s, those 9s that were off this year, like... Yeah. Yeah. I don't, he brings I, I don't the think intangibles. He hits, yeah. he fights. He, he does stuff pressure. in the playoffs. Yeah, he's a leader. He, he does stuff in the playoffs. He six points in twenty two games. He's a leader. What can I say? Cracks in the net. You know, does <laughs> six, all the right things. Six points in twenty two games. Does stuff in the. Fl- what? Defensively responsible too. You know, <laughs> put him on the PK. He he he's at a point two five points per game in the playoffs that last year. I'm just I'm just saying. Kock and Yemi cost the same. Is younger, putting up better points. And had more points in the playoffs last year. If you're going to give Brandon Gallagher that money, I don't see why Kakanyemi's not worth it. Young two, full potential. That was just such a garbage throwaway by them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Kakanyemi, like, third overall, what, three years ago? Like, why? Why throw that away? I I couldn't tell you. Honestly, I couldn't. Like, yeah. I didn't get the mindset behind that. Like, yeah, okay, congrats. Now, you, 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 as well, like, you gave away a first to get Christian Dvorak to fill that center depth hole. And you got Carolinas first, but like, so you basically have a worse team with worse center cores, gave away one of your top young guys, and now instead of having like a top five draft pick, you have what, 20th, 21st overall? Like, what the? F- yeah, you're not going to get something good out of it. And I think, you know, Montreal, like out of all the teams we talked to, I don't really see a way out of this. I think it's just going to be a long and hard year for Habs fans, unfortunately. They're going to have a long, hard year, but I sadly don't think they're going to have a worse year than this next team. We're finally on the Arizona Coyotes, boys. I've been looking forward to this. No, bro, they got the Kachinas. Everything's fine. The Kachinas (laughs) are the only thing that's nice about the Coyotes on the ice. There is nothing else that is good about the Coyotes. Also, Kachina jerseys low key overrated, but we won't get into that right now. Yikes! I mean, they're not the peyote jerseys. The peyote jerseys, Oof. pretty sick. And so Arizona, last in the league for goals for, last in the league for goals against, zero wins, last in the league in general. This team is terrible. Uh, oh yeah, they, uh, they went the opposite way. They they I've never seen a team fully embrace the tank this much. They signed Carter Hutton, unironically. <laughs> Like he is a starting goalie again in the NHL. I uh, he, he is not their starting goalie anymore. He's he played two games, posted and and get ready for this. This this made me almost spit out my drink when I was doing the research. Um, he has a goals against of seven point seven six. Seven over. He got injured Wait, as well. Over how many games? To, in two games, he has a wow. goals against of seven point seven six. That, that was no, no no that's three games. That's three games played. Oh right, sorry, three games played. That's yes. what's yeah. 
Yeah, that's Carter oh because he got pulled in the third because of an injury. Wow. Yeah, and he has wow. a point seven four one save percentage. I'm, I'm sorry, I was thinking about this. You know, I know we talked about how Bill got all these picks. You know, it's pretty clear this was this team is tanking as, apparently alongside Buffalo, but you know who knows how that goes. But you know, it's pretty clear on the roster that <laughs> that this is not an NHL team, right? And they got all these picks, but like when you're this bad. Like, you're doing permanent damage to your franchise. Not as if Arizona doesn't fill enough stadium space. Like, you are... This is, like... This is terrible. Like, you're doing permanent damage to the reputation of this organization by being this bad. You've been gutting your franchise. There's nothing to build towards. Like, this is going to hurt a long time. They've been bad for long enough, and then they rebuild and do this. Like, wow. I mean, of all the times, I would agree, but like, I think this time it's actually the right move. Instead of trying to middle and meddle and like, because they've always tried to be like kind of competitive in some sense, like fully commit to the build, get the first overall this year and get Shane Wright. Right. Right. Get Connor Bedard the next year. Like, those guys are fundamentally going to be franchise players. Might as well tank for him. And like, the, the goal isn't now. The goal is in four years when Austin Matthews becomes a UFA. Be good by then. Because, oh, yeah, like, no matter right, what, if you're... Right, Connor. I think you'll lose trade eight. all your guys. Okay. Uh, put the entire franchise on your one good player, Chitrin, and try to win uh, Shane Wright. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, let me adjust. Uh, blow it all up, trade all your good guys, put your entire franchise on Oliver ekman Larson, and try to get uh, Connor McDavid. Oh, wait, wait, let me try one more time. Blow it all up, <laughs> trade all your good guys... Put your entire franchise on Shane Doan and try to get Patrick Kane. How many times do they do this? This is unacceptable. No, this is not okay. We cannot let this happen. This team sucks. And, and they then, wonder why their arena, you know, won't let them renew or whatever. Like Jesus, I, I, like, this team is brutal. I will say this: <laughs> the it will work this time because the NHL lottery odds are now in their favor for the first and only time. They're still not good odds. It's a goddamn lottery you're betting on. And like Jimbo said, like top to bottom, this is a horrible organization. Yeah. The arena's kicking them out because their owner hasn't been paying the bills. Oliver Ekman Larson wanted out because they didn't pay his salary on time. Like, what a colossal <laughs> failure. And I'm so sick and tired of hearing that Bill Armstrong is a good GM. <laughs> Anybody can trade guys for picks. He's done nothing to show that JJ he's JJ is bullets he... listening to this right now. <laughs> he's screaming. I mean, I mean, I will, I will give him this. Bill Armstrong did get another top five pick. You can't deny that. Montreal, that is... if they finish top five, um, he's not it, a good GM. If they, do you really think Montreal's going to turn it around? I, I guarantee you, they're not going to finish bottom five. I don't know. They're not going to be good, but they're not going to be the worst team bottom five in the league. I, I think they could. They, they could threaten. Okay, is Tim Murray a good NHL GM because he had three picks in the 2015 NHL draft when he was the Buffalo GM? No. Anybody can get draft picks. It's not that goddamn hard. Trading guys for draft picks is the bare minimum. Anybody can rip a franchise down. Can you name me the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs when they did it to get Matthews? I can't. No. And you make a good point, right? It's like it's it's easy to tear down and get draft picks, but you got to do something and build a franchise with that. And And I think Arizona's proven they can't do that. Yeah, and to further build on Jimbo's point, it's not just like before where you tear it down. Because of the cap and it's staying flat, it is easy as hell to get a draft pick. You have a bad contract, I'll take it for a draft pick. He is doing the bare minimum. 
Yeah, but like again, a puppet saw could do what Bill Armstrong's doing. I, again, these the, draft picks are made and turn into players. He hasn't done anything. Bill, that's, Bill, Bill. But the goal, the goal right now <laughs> isn't for Arizona to do anything but just tank, get as many good prospects and as good of a team going for th- four years down the road. The goal is not. It's not like Shane Wright and Connor Bedard are going to be goals. Don't get me wrong, but I think we all know that Arizona is going to just throw as much money as they possibly can at Austin Matthews. The moment he hits you a face at us. There so your a bunch whole of money plan. You've lost your captain. You've lost all your stars. Your arena's kicking you out. And your fans are angry. And your whole plan is, no, don't worry. In four years, we're going to try to get a UFA. Hopefully he'll sign with us, please. Uh, I, I will, I will Poverty say this. franchise. Po- you, move you, them you out of Arizona. You, you can't have angry fans in Arizona. Because you would assume they'd have fans. There's no fans there. <laughs> Well, JJ's on the fence right now. They're about to lose their one guy, so they got to turn this around. I mean, like, they, they do you know how many minutes awful. Andrew Ladd has played this season per game? Fourteen awesome. minutes and forty-seven seconds. Andrew Ladd, the guy who sucked in the AHL last year. Um, I, I do want to say though, I did call it out. Ghost of Spear is a good player. He has, he has five, five assists, and he's a minus their best six. player. Yeah, he's a minus. He's a it. minus six on a team that has given up forty-two goals. Jacob Chitrin minus sixteen. In Chitrin's defense, I have him in both my fantasy teams. He plays twenty-five minutes a night. That man is sweating. Okay, <laughs> that man has just been told to climb over the World War II trench and just run at the enemy, okay? You cannot blame him Good for point. what he's going through. <laughs> yeah, this man is drowning right now. But you think he'd at least have one point. Something. I think I think it's just That's damage control points. for him. Yeah. It's going to come, too. He takes a stupid amount of shots. He's got the most shots in the whole team, but no points. He's the yeah. worst plus minus. So it'll come for Chitrin. I'm not terribly worried about him. But your Chitrin's just like OEL. He's not a you know he's a quiet guy and he's a great defenseman. Are you going to force him to be the face of the franchise and into a leadership role? Uh, I mean he is the face. He's the best player, but I'm not sure if he's the face of the franchise. Probably like talking to you, an Arizona fan in JJ. I think Lawson Kraus is more like the personality there, which is well he likes Lawson Kraus because he's a tough guy. But the fans are buying Chitrin jerseys, the, not Lawson no, Kraus jerseys. Yeah, okay, yeah, but that's there's no fans in Arizona. We've already established that. And the fact that we're arguing over Jacob Chitrin or Lawson Krause proves my point. This is a poverty franchise. Holy crap, is this team bad? And I get like, I've always been hard on the Sabres because they've never done a rebuild right. But this time, you know, they've built up their AHL department. They've hired guys in the analytic department. What has Arizona done? Well, the last you time they just take a bunch of young guys and throw them at the board. To be fair, though, Arizona tried the analytics thing and it didn't really work out. Yeah, they drafted Barrett Hayden fifth overall over Philip Zadina. Brutal. Yeah. yeah. It's just everything that, like, you know who the head coach of the Arizona Coyotes is off the top of your head, Jimbo? No idea. Connor, do you know? Uh, it's not talking about anymore. No. Alex Torgini. Do you know what team he coached last? Didn't he no. coach, like, a world junior team? He was a coach of one of the world junior teams, yes, but do you know what his regular season team was? In the NHL? Wasn't an NHL team. AHL? Wasn't an AHL team. WHL? 
OHL, the Ottawa 67s, and he's a head coach of an NHL team. He never was an assistant coach. They just threw him to the wolves. (laughs) This man, every night, has to go do a press conference and defend Carter Hutton. I don't know how much his salary is. It's not enough. Yikes. Like, shame on the GM. Shame on the owner for letting the situation happen in Arizona. Like, this is absolutely unacceptable in the NHL. Yeah, but they're not moving anywhere. No, unfortunately not. The NHL doesn't move teams anymore. No, the NHL doesn't move teams. As well as, like, they're they're going to move to Tucson, Arizona. And just the way how Arizona is, like, like, people think it's, like, a major difference. Scottsdale, Tucson, Phoenix, that's the whole city. It's, like, like New York between, like, sorry, Tempe. But that's all the same city. Like, it, it's no, like yeah, how like you it's say New close. York is like, you got New Jersey, you got Brooklyn, you got Manhattan. It's the same thing. It's like the same concept there, just in Arizona. You know, their, uh, their main goalie with Hutton out has uh, played eight games and he's a point nine two two. hey, save percentage. It's not yeah, Veggie Malka came out of nowhere. He's yeah. actually a pretty good goalie. Where I watched him against Sabres. I, where are these guys <laughs> coming from? Poverty franchise. <laughs> There's nothing good about the Arizona Coyotes. This poor guy is drowning in their net. I mean, he's doing good. He's he, doing good, man. Yeah. When your team has given up 42 goals against and only scored 13-4, like that, those are good numbers. Like he, he's outperforming Robin Lehner right now. Yeah, well, we've already established that Robin Lehner is not a good goalie. Uh, I mean, yes, but this is also that, like, rookie goalie that no one's ever seen, so no shooter has a scouting report on him yet. I didn't even know this guy was a real human being before James said his full name. Uh, Crazy fun stat about him, though. He's faced 174 more shots than Carter Hutton, and has only let in three more goals than Hutton's let in. That's pretty crazy. Like, this is a tank beyond a tank has ever been. And, like... I don't know how you rebuild the culture in that room with the new young guys. It's going to be extremely difficult. I mean, to be to, to Arizona's credit, they are dealing with some injuries. You got Connor Timmins, he's injured. Alex Galchenyuk, he's injured. Ryan Dezingle, he's injured. Nick Schmaltz, he's injured. Like, they should have at least won one game. Who? I don't know. Against who? I'm not sure what team they can beat. I mean, I who did they play? They'll probably beat the Calgary Flames, knowing how they go. They couldn't even beat the Ottawa Senators last year. Yeah, but Ottawa's always that sneaky team that beats all the good ones. Uh, honestly, of all the teams that they pl- they've played, they've not faced any easy opponents, to be honest. I don't know. So no I, 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 no excuse for this, exactly. How about this? How many games they played? Eight? Nine? Ten. Ten. This is this is a beer league level record. Like the, this the is o- not the greatest league in the world. The only two teams that they've played that are like shitty would be the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Red Hot Buffalo Sabres. And how how did the Columbus do against them? The eight to two team. Yeah, eight to two. But they almost beat Buffalo. It was two to one. That was a close game. Yeah, uh, both goalies played studs out, lights out. Um, yeah, but then but like then afterwards happened? they played St. Louis, Edmonton, the Islanders, Florida, Tampa, the Caps, the Hurricanes. And then they played the Flyers. Those are all good teams. They haven't had an easy schedule. Uh, the Islanders started pretty garbage this year. Yeah, because they don't have Varlamov in that. Or not Varlamov. Um, they, they don't have... Who's their goalie again? Not 
Varlamov. They didn't have Varlamov, so they had Ilya Lechidin, yeah. and they still Sorokin. beat the Arizona. Yeah, they still beat the Coyotes. I mean, like, Lechidin's not bad. <laughs> he's better than however you pronounce that uh, Coyotes goalie name. Yeah, but okay, <laughs> Arizona is finally getting a chance to play a shitty team. They play this Friday, because that's the day we're recording, it's November 3rd. Um, they're playing the Ducks, and then they play Seattle. And then, and then after Minnesota, they play Chicago. They legit have a chance to win two games in the next four games. That or those all garbage teams have a chance to get their confidence back up against the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, there's an equal chance, but with, with everything that's happening, I think Chicago gives Arizona their first win of the season. Chicago just had their first win of the season. Yep. Sadly. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so. I, I generally don't think we're going to see a win from this team until December. So, well, okay. That's pretty bold. Okay, okay. You, you, you think this team is going to beat the Sabres record? For 18-game lose streak? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They're at 10 already. They, they just have to lose eight more. They're at 10 already, but they play three teams that are in the bottom half of, or bottom 10 in the league in the next four games. The Sabres record, as impressive as it is, they were in the toughest div last year, the division of death. There's no excuse for this Arizona. Ten, the 10 games already enough is bad enough. It's a shameful record. The team should be ashamed of itself. But eight more, they can do it. <laughs> they can absolutely do it. Jay Beagle's their number one center. Are you really trying to tell me this is going to win a hockey game? Uh, I mean, maybe. The Connor Timmons was playing 17 minutes a night. Gone. Done for the season. Yeah. Like, it's over. It's, they're they're going to get blown out of the water. Louis their Erickson, OHL coach won't help. Louis Erickson revenge tour, man. It's happening. GBD. Oh, wouldn't that be great if they beat the Knucks? Wouldn't that be so funny? <laughs> yeah, Louis Erickson scores a hat-trick, too. Well, when, when does Louis Erickson return home to the Canucks? I have no idea. Probably, Probably not too long. long. Uh, December 19th. So mark that yeah, in the calendars, because that'll be a there, good one. There you go. My timetable is true. They will not beat them until they're back <laughs> into December. No, I'm calling it right now that the first one's going to be against Chicago. As, that is a bold take. It's yeah, a bold I mean, Kane, Kane and Taze like, lit it up a couple games ago, man. If they're back on form. I, I mean, they lit it up, but like Chicago's goaltending is pretty bad. And, uh, it's only because they he's got no one in front. Like, like literally, that's the only reason Chicago, or I guess Arizona, has a chance. They need a goal. They need to face a team that has poor defense. Chicago is the only team I can see that has poor defense. Just the way yeah, it is. It's, all I all I can say is shame on the Arizona Coyotes, so, the poverty franchise. And and okay, so I want to transition as you you uh, as the expert Austin a question here. So we all expected Buffalo Sabres to be in the exact same situation. We looked at their roster. You said it yourself. You know, these, this was not an NHL roster. Uh, you know, we have screen caps. You saying it? They're supposed to be terrible. So, what's going on this season with them? With the with uh, the Buffalo Sabers? Yeah. They got the team in for a team meeting, and they played those screen caps, and it really woke them up. <laughs> like this is like the the difference is the Buffalo Sabers actually have talent on the roster. Like Victor Olofsson's a great player. Uh, Jeff Skinner is, you know, he's not as good as he's contract that's for sure but he's not a bad player how's he been playing this year What's pretty good team? actually a lot better yeah so they they Can brought in boys. don granado who's a really good coach that resonates with the team 
And, you know, with everyone, like, there's all this outside noise, and the team's just kind of, you know, it's a bunch of young guys who want to play for each other. You know, there's all these things coming out, like, Victor Olofsson and Rasmus Asplund, they're, like, best friends from Sweden and all that. And they just want to, you know, go out, win some games. And the way they're playing is so high offense that they're just getting these scoring chances that people aren't expecting. It's definitely coming back down to earth. They've already lost to the Kings yeah, we've seen this and the Sharks. Where they stop yeah. yeah. Um, but the difference is this time is in those years, it was a team came out overperformed and they fizzled out. This one is, it's a bunch of young guys who are trying their hardest. The talent might not be there, but they're winning games. And that's all that matters. So they're, I, I think they're going to win more, like, going forward than all those years that they had those big starts. Like, I don't think we're going to be a bottom five team. You think we're definitely they, not going to uh, make them. You think they the win plays. at Tim Hortons Field this winter? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, there's no way Toronto wins that game. <laughs> Dude, Matthew Kachuk lives for those moments. He's going to be great in that game. Like, I, I have no... And that's the thing. Like, you also got to keep in mind, Buffalo's playing with injuries. We lost Casey Middlestat, who was fire at the end of last year. We lost uh, Yoki Haru, who's our number one right-handed defenseman. And Olafson just got hurt. So we're also battling through injuries, and we're still winning. When those guys come back, and we get whatever we get in the cycle trade, either Matthew Kachuk or Shea Theodore, like this team's going to be a wagon to play against for a bit. And it's a great transition year. So like, is the rebuild over? Is that it? It's done? No. Yeah, we, look to the, we look to the present? No, I think, I think the rebuild was more in the office. Sabres just made two huge um, signings for analytics guys. But there's still a couple years out. But we got, like, our talent right now is insane in the AHL. We have Jack Quinn, who's only 20 years old, and he leads the AHL in scoring. J.J. Paterka is doing great, too. So all our young guys are producing. Owen Power, the first overall pick. I want to say this year we give a good fight. We look better than people expect. Get a good draft pick. And then next year might be, the, if you guys remember that year Toronto squeaked in the playoffs when they had all their young guys, like last game squeaked in, it'll be something like that. And then we can see this core develop more. Because these young guys still got a ways to go, like Cousins need to develop and all that. But I'm very optimistic with the future. It feels like everyone for once is on the right page, you know, from GM to, to the analytics department to the coach. And we're making good trades finally. And again, you know, whatever we get for Eichel is really going to speed up this rebuild, especially with some of the reports that we saw today. Like, Kachuk and a bunch of prospects and players, that, that will add to this team immensely. Freaking new... Oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I've been... I've had it... I've been checking this whole time. It's gone quiet. It's too quiet. Probably because it's like 1 a.m. in Buffalo right Kevin now. Kevin Weeks, man. He's dogging the boys. He pulled a quick one. He, he definitely got everyone a little bit excited, but, you know, if if Buffalo pulls off a trade like that where they get Matthew Kachuk, that speeds up the rebuild. Because then you have a core of Kachuk, Dylan Cousins, Dallin, Owen Power, right? Like, that's a solid group right there. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I just saw something, a potential trade mentioned by, um, who is it, Brian Lawtons on NHL Network. He drafted up these two potential trades for the Vegas Golden Knights and the Sabres. And this is trades he believes apparently will happen to get the Jack Eichel trade. So from Vegas, you guys would get Shea Theodore, Peyton Krabs, uh, Danil Cheka, a first and a second round. And then from Calgary, he believes it'll be Sean Monahan, 
Zari and Poirier in the first and second round. He right. thinks those two are equal. Know. No, yeah, if that's on the table, we take the Vegas one and we run. Well, no Jay Theodore is better than all the guys in that Calgary one combined. Well, yeah. Jay Theodore is an amazing defenseman, and he's only 26 years old. Yeah, and to like and to build off James's point, you know, uh, when he asked if the rebuild's over, the Sabers how they're doing the rebuild is we're we're getting those picks right. We're gonna have at least three first round picks in this year's draft, you know, from the Reinhardt trade and the eventual Eichel one. But we still have these young good players who are playing. There's a future and more coming, right? You need to supplement the young guys you already have. You can't just throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks. So. If we're able to get a Krebs, if we're able to get a Kachuk, I think I think the Sabres are going to be in mighty fine shape to build that strong winning team. But it just comes down to when the Eichel trade happens, what we get back, and you know, building the core around those guys. And I'm very excited for the future. Hi, sorry, you caught us on the intermission. Just wanted to talk to you guys about the Movember campaign that we're participating in this year. So if you aren't familiar with Movember, Every member of the Doghouse team will grow a mustache and will grow some nice facial hair because whatever we'll you grow will help save a bro. So make sure you check out our team and donate below. It, all the proceeds will go towards helping fund men health organizations. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of the episode. Alrighty, boys, to wrap this up on the, the bad teams, bad starts, bad boys, bad dogs. We're going to pick one team that we think might actually get a bit better, you know, narrowly escaping the doghouse. We're going to pick a team that we believe is going to get into the doghouse, you know, get worse than they already are. And if there's someone in the league, someone that maybe no one's noticing that you want to give the dog a bone to, feel free to do that as well. And we're going to start with you, Jimbo. All right, I'll kick things off. Uh, I think I'll take an easy one for a team that's going to get better. But I'm not going to take the easy one for the team that's going to stay bad. So I'm going to say I think Vegas inevitably, with all their might and power, will end up uh, you know, back at the top where they belong. I think it's just a matter of time. I think it's still pretty early days for them. They got some, as we talked about, there's some really big pieces missing. And once they get Stone back, they get Carlson back, I think this is going to be a, a completely revitalized team and they make their way back up to the top. So I fully expect that. A team that I think will stay bad, I'm going to go with Montreal Canadiens. Uh, you know, for a lot of the reasons we talked about before, I think uh, you know the two big pieces, You know, obviously Price is just coming back, but Shea Weber out, big leadership uh, miss there. I just look at the roster, and I think for the same reason, I think they just got caught up too much in the hype um, of Maybe they, they undeservedly made it to the Stanley Cup Finals last uh, season. And I think they've got caught up in that hype and they, they just won't be able to live up to it. So I think that's really going to drag them down for the rest of the season. You know, I, Even though I think Price is a great goalie, I think he'll bring them up a little bit, but not enough to, uh, to, to bring them up where the fans expect them to be. And so on that note, uh, I'm going to give a bone to Jake Allen because I think... He has been one of the only shining lights. I think there has been a lot of criticism through the whole team in Montreal, but I think it's pretty clear that uh, Jake Allen is really trying his best to hold his own and stand on his head, and it's just like not been enough. But I think he has been one of the very few shining lights because it's just been such a huge underperformance, I think, throughout the entire roster. And I think he's 
just a player that's that's tried his best to fill that gap by uh, missing Price, and which you can't do. Uh, you know, Price is a cal- world caliber goalie, and and Allen is quite good too. But uh, I think he's he's deserving of being uh, given a bone. I think uh, on such a a poor situation, especially in a city like Montreal that has, uh, you know, the the fans expect so much after. Uh, it's just a tough hockey town, so I feel bad for him. So I'll pass it off to Connor, who you got. Oh, man, such a tough one. I think I'll start off with a team I think it's going to get better. And that team is going to be the Chicago Blackhawks. It's a controversial take, but now that Stan Bowman's out as GM, and who knows what else is going to come out and come to this light, there's really nowhere else to go but up for the Blackhawks organization. Although I do want them to kind of have to suffer through this, and I do want to see a little bit more of you know, what has occurred in that locker room and which players should be held accountable for the Kyle Beach situation, just like Joe Quinville was held accountable. I think at the same time, it it's only up for here and that Flurry and Seth Jones will see comebacks going forward. For a team I think that's going to get worse, I'm actually going to go with Seattle. I think that their goaltending, even though they'll go into a tandem, Dave Haxtell's not a good coach. Their defensive system is non-existent, realistically. They've got such a strong defensive team, they got an offensive-minded coach. And then their offense is just piss-poor, to be honest. Like, Brandon Tanev's been playing great. I like the players, don't get me wrong, but it's just it's not a strong enough offense. And with Vegas turning it probably around as well, they're in a, for a really, really, really rough ride. Um, who I'd give a dog a bone to, I'm going to actually give out two bones here. So the first bone I'm going to give out to is Shane Gustasbeer on the Arizona Coyotes. Five points for the Arizona Coyotes. He's been playing pretty decent. He's playing on a really, really bad team, especially after getting traded from Philadelphia. You can't really expect much more from the guy, and... Honestly, I hope he continues to have a good year because five points in 10 games is not bad for a defenseman. And then another guy I'll give a bone to is Andrew Mangiapane of the Calgary Flames, a guy who's playing fourth-line minutes with Brett Ritchie and is putting up that many goals. you you got to give a guy credit. The guy is playing <laughs> the third least amount of minutes of all Flames forwards, and he's still putting up that many points. I gotta give a bone to the guy who puts in the work. Austin, who do you have? He lost me on that one. Uh, What's wrong with the bread man? What's uh, Con is a big bread man guy. Yeah, yeah, Lo- yeah. I know. Love the bread. <laughs> He's gonna be the best winger once Kachuk's traded. Uh, team that I see getting better. You know, a lot of guys have the opportunity to. I think it's gonna be Seattle. I think that team's just too good not to get better. I think they'll have a moment on the road trip where they bond or something, and they'll they'll break out and they'll finally be good again. Uh, team that can only get worse. You know, you guys were very courageous in looking at you know different teams, but I am not so courageous. I'm gonna stomp on the dead body. The Arizona Coyotes will <laughs> yeah, not. Yeah, I figured I'd leave that one for you. Like, there's no chance. This team sucks. This is they, they might tie the worst ever NHL record, and I would love to see it. It'd be amazing, especially when they don't win the lottery. So. Poverty franchise, poverty year. They're just going to be worse than ever. And that's who's going to be in my doghouse. But a franchise I want to give, or a player 
to give a dog a bone to. One of the best players this year, uh, they might change the award for his name, Craig Vesna Anderson. He's just been so good. You know, comes out of retirement from the top rope to carry the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, just for how bad we talked about Buffalo this summer, to sell Craig Anderson on, hey, I know you're 40 years old, and the last 40-year-old goalie in the past five years was David Ayers, and we want you to strap yourselves to the post and just get lit up. And he took that on the chin, and he turned this franchise around. Hero. Absolute hero. Deserves some kind of award this year. I don't know if it's going to be Hart, Vesna, Bill Masterton, but something to recommend this man for his bravery. And I think on that note, we'll finish up, boys. Yeah, I think so. Good podcast, boys. Yeah, great episode. Uh, we'll be we'll be wrapping on up, and then we'll hopefully see which teams don't get better, and we'll throw them in the doghouse. Have a wonderful night, everybody.